man. What I want to know is how much money did Hume have to spend to get Christian Bale to play Moe's? That was, man, that guy's like an Academy Award winner, and it shows. Um, Hey, so my name is Chip. I am so excited to be here with you guys uh, this week. Um, I, I know some of you might know me. Uh, maybe you know me from um, Wagon Train. Did any, did any of you guys go to Wagon Train when I was at Wagon Train? Anyone? Handful of you? All right. Maybe some of you, um, some of you teachers at least, probably know me from Outdoor Ed because I've, I've been here. I used to work here. Um, now I'm down at a church in Kingsburg, uh, Grace Church of the Valley. Yeah, like three of you. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, and, uh, but I'm, I'm so excited to be here. And, and, and I'm glad that, that many of you guys already know me because one of my least favorite things is first impressions. I hate having to give first impressions because there's so much pressure to that, right? There's so much pressure when you're entering into a conversation with someone and you know that the dumb things that come out of your mouth are going to paint their opinion of you for like the rest of your relationship, right? So the first day at, at a new school, when you go in and you're so nervous, and ha- has this ever happened to you where you go into like a, a new class or something like that, um, maybe a new team or I used to do uh, theater all the time in, in junior high and high school, and so I would go to, like, start a new show, and you'd get the cast together for the first time, and they want to go around and, like, get, have everybody get to know each other, right? So they do this thing where they, they sit you in a circle, and they say, all right, so here's what we're going to do. You're going to tell everybody your name, and then you're going to say one interesting fact about you. And here's why I hate the tell one interesting fact about you thing because I don't think I'm all that interesting, right? And so, so you're in the situation where you have to sit there and everyone's going around saying their interesting fact. You're going, what is interesting about me? What can I say that's gonna be interesting? And to make it worse, there's, there's no winning. Because if I say something that's like really crazy and off the wall, everyone goes, well, this guy's full of it. He's a total liar. That's not true. And if I say something that's like not that interesting, they're like, oh, really? You think that's interesting? Well, you're boring, you know? So and then what's worse is like there's always like the one kid in your class who has like an, a genuinely interesting thing and they always go right before you, right? Like everyone goes they're like, I have three brothers. You're like, oh, interesting. Okay. You know, like, and then, and then you're like, okay, maybe I am pretty interesting. And then the, the kid in front of you goes and they go, uh, yeah, my name's Jimmy and, uh, and I grew up in the jungles of South America and my best friend was a monkey and we used to raid Aztec temples together and I have all the treasures in my, and you're like, how am I supposed to follow this up? And then it's like, comes to me and I'm like, Hi, my name's Chip, and I like comic books a lot, and uh, that's kind of it. And, that, and so now I'm the guy who thinks that it's interesting that he likes comic books, right? There's no winning in a first impression scenario, and so I'm, I'm glad that you guys, most of you already have a first impression of me. If not, this is a bad one, so, um, but, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad to be here. Let me tell you a little bit about about myself, a little bit about my family. Like I said, I, I lived up here for years. I served up here uh, in, in wagon train and uh, outdoor education, spiritual emphasis. I'm down, now down in Kingsburg. I have my family with me here this week. We have a picture of them up there. Um, so that's me and my wife. And then that's our, <laughs> he's cut off there on the bottom, but that's our son. His name is Nugget. Uh, his real name is Grant, but his camp name is Nugget down there at the bottom. And then in the middle of us, my mother-in-law is back there, but then that's, uh, that's baby Bean or Caleb. So those are our two boys um, 
So they're, they're with me this week. You guys will see them around. Feel free to say hi. Caleb will love you. Grant might love you. He might scream at you. There's no telling with Grant, but uh, you're welcome to say hi to them. And um, yeah, so, so as, as, as I was getting ready for this week, I was so excited because I love this theme. I love this theme that we get to talk about because what we're talking about is the character of God. We're talking about who God is. We're talking about how God describes himself to us through his word, how God describes himself to us through the Bible. And it brings up these questions of how, how do we define ourselves? Right, that, that, that question that I started with, or that, that example I started with, this idea of first impressions, the reason that first impressions are nerve-wracking, the reasons I don't like them, is because I know that whatever that, that is, Whatever that first thing I say about myself is, it's how that person is going to view me. It's how they're going to define me. And so I always think, how am I going to define myself? What do I want other people to think about me? What do I want other people to know about me? What do I want to show other people about me? Well, today, we're going to be looking at the first impression that God gives to Moses in the book of Exodus. We're going to look at the first thing that God reveals about himself to Moses. One of the primary aspects of who he is. It's the first impression that he gives to Moses. It's how he defines himself. See, all of you guys, you might define yourself a little bit differently. But for each of you, there's in your own mind, in your own self-perception, in your own understanding of who you are, there's something that you define yourself as. Maybe you define yourself as like the, the funny guy. You think you're hilarious and you want everyone to know that you're hilarious and everyone else knows that you think that you're hilarious, right? You're the funny guy. Some of you, you define yourself as the athlete. Some of you, you define yourself as the smart kid. Some of you, you define yourself as the popular kid. Some of you, you define yourself as the good-looking kid. Maybe that's all of you. I don't know. I'm looking around. Everyone's muttering about who they think it is. Is that? It's embarrassing. All right. So, but you guys, you, you all have some way in which you define yourself and it's part of it is, is how you see yourself. But if we're being honest, in junior high, at your age, probably most of it is not really how you see yourself so much as it's how you want others to see you. Well, as we see how God defines himself, how God shows himself to us this week, we're going to see the truth of who God is. And also, we're going to see how God shows himself to us and how God wants us to understand him in truth. All right, so let's look at that first impression that God makes in the book of Exodus. That first impression that God makes in the book of Exodus. If you have your Bibles, open them up. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 3 today. Exodus chapter 3. This is God's first impression on Moses. Now, you guys saw in the opener and in the video, hey, can we give a round of applause to the guys who put on the opener today? Wasn't that fun? I know how much time and effort that takes. You guys worked hard on that. They also haven't done it for a week because they were off for Easter like you guys were last week. And uh, so they're coming back in and they killed it. They, that was so fun. But in, in that video and in that opener, you guys saw a little bit of the story of Moses, the story of the Exodus, right? And 
I know you guys are Christian school kids. You probably have all heard this story a thousand times, but just a refresher of what you guys saw here on the video and here on the stage. You see, Israel is this nation of people that are God's people. Israel is a nation that has grown out of the family of Abraham. Abraham, this man that God made a promise to, a covenant that he would bless the whole world through Abraham's family. Well, God kept his promise. That family grew and grew and grew until it was this great nation of people, God's people, Abraham's family, the Israelites, but they were slaves. They were slaves. They were captive in this nation of Egypt. They ended up going there In the book of Genesis, the story of Joseph is how they end up there. We're not going to go all there, but eventually they're there, and the Pharaoh is against them. The Pharaoh, the ruler, the evil king of Egypt, he is against the Israelites. He does not like the Israelites. He enslaves the Israelites, right? And so God's people are slaves in this foreign land, and they cry out to God for deliverance. They cry out to God to save them. And God does answer their call. But he does it using this guy named Moses. Moses is an Israelite himself, but he's been raised as an Egyptian. And one day as he's seeing one of his fellow Israelites being beaten, whipped, he actually ends up murdering the Egyptian slave driver. He makes himself a wanted man, and he ends up running off into the hills. He spends years, 40 years out there in the desert hiding from the Egyptians until one day when he's out herding his sheep, something incredible happens because God shows himself to Moses. And as we'll see this week, when God shows himself to Moses, Moses' life is never the same. So let's see how God shows himself and how he reveals himself, how he defines himself the first impression that he gives to Moses here at Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3 will be starting in verse 2. I will start in verse 1. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, a priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush has not been burned. So Moses is minding his own business. He's he's looking after this flock of sheep, and then he sees this incredible sight. He sees this bush that is burning, but is not being consumed by the fire. It's not burning up. How many of you guys have ever lit like, an old dead Christmas tree on fire. Have you guys ever seen it? Or don't do it, but look up videos of it on YouTube because it's awesome, all right? When, it, when it's just dry and it goes up like that, right? And it's gone. Or if you're starting a fire and you grab some pine needles and you throw them in there, how long does it take pine needles to burn? It takes no time at all. They light up, they're gone, it's really smoky. It's a good way to get your fire hot, but it doesn't actually burn for any length of time. Bushes don't burn very long, Right? Trees burn a long time because they have lumber, they have timber, but, but bushes burn right up. But this bush is different. It's burning, but it's not being consumed. It's burning, but it's continuing to burn. And so Moses says, dude, I got to check this out. So he goes over to look at the burning bush, the bush that is not being consumed. 
Verse 3, And Moses said, I will turn aside to this great sight while the bush is not burned. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called out to him out of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. And then he said, Do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place you are standing is holy ground. So this is God's first impression, his first interaction with Moses. And God is revealing something about himself in this first interaction with Moses. What's the first thing that God says to Moses? He says, Moses, Moses. Moses says, here I am. And then the first thing that God says is what? He says, don't come any closer. Now that's a little odd, isn't it? That's a little odd. Here's here's God, and he's saying, Moses, don't come closer to me. Moses, keep your distance. Don't come any closer. Do not come near. Before you approach me, take off your sandals. Why? Because where you are standing is holy ground. See, the first thing that God communicates about himself to Moses is not his love. It's not his his mercy. It's not his wrath. The first thing that God communicates to Moses is his holiness. It's his holiness. The very first thing that God communicates to Moses is his holiness. The first impression that God wants to make on Moses is that he is holy. That above all else, he is holy. Now, what in the world does that word mean? What does it mean that God is holy? Why is this such a big deal? Why is this such an important thing that it's the first thing God wants Moses to know about him? Why is it so important that God is holy? Well, I know you guys are all Christian school kids. You probably have some idea of what the word holy means. Or maybe you really don't. You see, if you're someone who's grown up and never really gone to church, never really been in this kind of Christian world, then you probably never use the word holy except when you follow it up with something you shouldn't be saying, right? Or maybe you are someone who's grown up in church and, and you know, you go to a Christian school. I'm sure that describes many of you. And you see the word holy all around, right? You see it places like this right here, holy Bible, right? Or, or you say, like, you sing songs that say holy, 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 but you don't really know what it means. And if I were to press you for a definition, you would say holy is like, I, I don't know, like, like God-ish, or it's, and you just, it's holy, it's, it, and you can't really put words to what it means, but it's important that we really, truly understand what it means that God is holy. Some of you might have a definition for holy that sounds something like this. You would say, holy means set apart. Holy means set apart, and that's true, but do you really understand that? Do you really grasp what it means that God is set apart? That God is different? That God is unique? That there's nothing else, no one else that is like him? 
Because this isn't a small part of who God is. This is the first impression that God wants to make. This is one of his defining features, one of his defining characteristics, that he is holy, that he is set apart, that he is unlike us. He is completely different than you, completely different than me, completely different than everything else in all of the universe. He is completely unique. And so I want to take you guys to a picture in Scripture of God's holiness, somewhere where we see the holiness of God on full display. And hopefully, it'll help us to understand what it means that God is completely set apart, that he is unique and unlike anything else in all of existence. So I want you guys to turn to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 6. All right, now, Isaiah is a guy who lived a long time after Moses. He's a prophet. And a prophet is someone who God uses to communicate his word to his people. All right, so a prophet is the mouthpiece of God. Isaiah is someone who God chooses or chose in order to deliver his word, deliver his message to his people. Moses was a prophet. But Isaiah now is the prophet years and years later. The reason I want to show you this part of the book of Isaiah is because Isaiah, this prophet, this man called out by God, he gets this incredible vision in Isaiah chapter 6. God gives him this incredible vision, this incredible picture of the heavenly throne room of God. And I want to show you how that is described and communicated here in God's word in Isaiah chapter 6. Listen to this. In the last year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon the throne, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. And above him stood seraphim, these are angels, and each had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And the one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the sound of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people with unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the Lord of hosts. Stop right there for now. So Isaiah gets this incredible vision, and he sees God in his throne room. And the picture of God that we see here is so profound. It says that he sees the Lord high and lifted up, that he is high above everything, that he is lifted up on his heavenly throne. And the train of his robe filled the temple. His glory, his majesty, his beauty fills the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, the angels. These angels have six wings. With two, they're covering their eyes because even angels, sinless beings, even angels, these these 
spiritual beings who have never sinned, even they cannot look directly at the glory of God because he is too holy for them. They can't look directly at God because he's too glorious, he's too beautiful, he's too majestic, he's too much greater than them. So with two wings, they cover their eyes. With two wings, they cover their feet. Once again, to show him honor. It's just like when Moses was walking up to the burning bush and God said, take off your sandals because this is holy ground. They cover their feet with two wings and with two, they fly. He sits on his throne. His, the train of his robe fills the temple. The angels call out to him, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Here they are eternally by the throne of God. And what are they repeating over and over and over and over and over again throughout the ages, throughout history? What are these angels echoing in the throne room of God? They're saying, holy, holy, holy. Because this is who God is. He is holy. He is completely unlike us. He is completely unlike us in his beauty, completely unlike us in his righteousness, completely unlike us in his glory, completely unlike us in his power, completely unlike us in his majesty. This picture of God is incredible. And then something else happens. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory then listen to this, verse four. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. We have this picture of God's majesty, of his beauty, of his power. And when he opens his mouth, the very power of his word is so great that the heavens themselves shake this is the picture of the God that we serve. This is the picture of the God of this book. This is the picture of the God that showed up to Moses in that burning bush in the Egyptian wilderness. This is who is speaking to Moses out of the burning bush. The God of heaven and earth, the creator and sustainer of all things, who sits high and lifted up on his throne in the heavens, who is surrounded by angels constantly glorifying him and worshiping him, who shakes the very foundations of existence with just the sound of his voice. This is the God that Moses is approaching. And so what's the first thing that God says to him? He says, Moses, do not come any closer. Moses, take a second to think about who you are approaching right now. Take a second to get your heart right before you come any closer to me. Because I am holy, holy, holy. I am the God who rules and reigns over everything. I am the God who shakes all of creation with the sound of my voice. So take off your shoes. Because where you're standing is holy ground. Moses, if you looked at me in my glory, you would die right where you stand. 
So when you approach, approach me with humility. This is the first impression that God gives to Moses. It's one of the first things he tells us about himself in Scripture, is that he is holy. He is set apart. He is different. Everything else that exists is creation, but God is creator. He is unlike us in his majesty, unlike us in his beauty, unlike us in his wisdom, unlike us in his glory, unlike us in his power. He is completely different. There's nothing else like him. He is high and lifted up. When you grow up in the church, when you grow up in Christian circles, you forget this. I know because I did, and I still do. I grew up going to church every Sunday, every Wednesday. I was there multiple times a week. Every time the doors were open, my family was there. I, we prayed every night together. We did a family devotional. Every, it was just all over the place. And that is a good thing, and I am so grateful that that was what my family life was like growing up. But the downside to it is that you forget exactly who the God that you're talking about is. You forget exactly who the God that you're talking to in your prayer is. He's not your genie there to grant your wishes. He's not some, some imaginary figure in the sky. He is the creator of all things who rules and reigns and lives in his glory. He is holy. So when God says that he is holy, it means that he's unlike us. It means that he's different than us, that he's set apart, that he is perfect and we are imperfect, that he is powerful and we are weak, that he is righteous and we are unrighteous. But that's not all that his holiness means. It means that he's different. It means that he's distinct. It means that he's set apart. But the fact that he is holy, it also means that he is self-defined. See, often we define ourselves by other things and other people. I might define myself as a pastor. That's defining myself by my job. I might define myself as a father. That's defining myself by my sons. I might define myself as a husband. It's defining myself by my wife. You might define yourself as a student. That's defining yourself by your school, by what you do. You might define yourself as an athlete. That's defining yourself by your sport. You might define yourself as the pretty person that defines you by your looks, by how others view you. When we define ourselves, we almost always define ourselves by things outside of us. But God's holiness means that he is different than us and that he defines himself not by things outside of himself, but that he defines himself by himself. Let me show you what I mean by that. Open back up to Exodus chapter 3. We're going to continue in this conversation of Moses with God in the burning bush. Do not come near, take off your sandals, for this place on which you are standing is holy ground. Verse 6, and he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. And then the Lord said, 
I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry because they're taskmasters, and I know their sufferings. And I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Parasites, Perizzites, and, and the Hivites and the Jebusites. And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me. And I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people out of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh to bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, God said, but I will be with you. And this shall be a sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. And Moses said to God, if I say to the people of Israel, if I go to, come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? Moses is asking, if I go to the Israelites and I say that God has sent me to save you, they ask me your name, what should I tell them? Who should I tell them has sent me? And this is where we see God defining himself, not by something outside, but we see him defining himself by himself. He says this, who should I say sent me? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent you. I am has sent you. This is the name of God, the divine name. Sometimes you might hear this said as Yahweh. This is God telling Moses, if you want to know who I am, I am who I am. I am God. I am the creator. I am the one above all things. I am the source of existence itself. See, this is part of God's holiness that he is the only one who defines himself. We're defined from outside us, but God is defined from within. And if we want to know who he is, then what we see is what he shows us. If we want to know who he is, then we need to look and see, and see what he has shown us. You see, we live in a world where people want to define God for themselves. They say things like, oh, no, I, I don't think God would do that. I don't think God would say that. I don't think God would, I don't really feel like that's what God's like. My God wouldn't do that. Guys, you don't have a right to define your creator because he defines himself. And if you, so if you want to know who God is, if you want to know what God is like, then you have to read what God has said. You have to see how he defines himself in this book. That's what we're doing all week long this week. We're looking about at how God defines himself. He is holy. He is set apart. He is distinct. He is different. He is separate from everything else that exists. And he is the one who defines himself. He is who he says he is. 
what it means that God is holy. It means that he is completely set apart from us in his righteousness, in his, in his glory, in his beauty, in his majesty, in his power. He is completely distinct from us in every imaginable way, though we are created in his image. But there's something else in this first exchange, this first conversation that God says with Moses that I want to hit tonight before we end our time together. See, he defines himself by his holiness. He says that he is holy. The the ground where Moses is standing is holy. He defines himself as I am. I am who I say that I am. But there's something else in here because this God who sits in the heavens, enthroned in his glory, this God who shakes the foundations of existence with his very voice, this God who says, do not approach me, do not look at me because if you do, you will die because you cannot handle my glory and my righteousness and my perfection. This same God is a God that we can know that we can know, that we can be known by, that we can love, that we can be loved by. Look at this. As he's telling Moses this in in chapter three, in verse five, he says, do not come near. Take off your sandals for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And then look at the very next thing he says. And he said, I am the God of your father the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. So God just gets through showing how big and powerful and glorious and unapproachable and untouchable and unknowable he is. But then the very next thing he says is, I'm the God of your father. I'm the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. He starts listing these people who have known him, who have loved him, who have followed him. See, the incredible truth about God is that while he is holy and glorious and righteous and awesome and perfect, he's also a God who knows you, who knows the deepest parts of you, knows everything that you've ever done or said or thought, knows everything that you will ever do or say or think. And yet he loves you. He loves you enough to die for you. This holy, awesome, righteous God who sits on his throne in the heavens knows and loves and cares for you. This incredible, powerful creator and sustainer of all things is also the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And if you'll follow him, if you'll trust in him, he can be yours as well. He's mine. Tomorrow, we're going to talk about who we are in relation to God. I said a a lot tonight that God is different than us, that he's distinct, that he's set apart, that he's perfect and we're not. Tomorrow, we're going to talk about what it means that we're not perfect. But tonight, I just want to leave you with this picture, this picture of who God is. He is high and lifted up that he is so full of glory. He's more glorious, more perfect, more beautiful, more powerful, more wonderful, 
more righteous and more holy than you ever dreamed, than you ever thought possible. And yet, he chooses to show himself to you that you can know him, that you can love him, and that you can be saved by him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that you show yourself to us. We thank you that you reveal the truth of who you are. God, you are holy and you are righteous. You are glorious and majestic and beautiful and powerful. We don't deserve to know you. But Father, you are so merciful and gracious that you allow us to come into relationship with you. You allow us to know true things about who you are, about what you're like. And so, God, I pray this week as we continue to open your word, as we continue to study the truth of who you are, I pray that our eyes will be opened, that as we come to a deeper knowledge of you, we come to a deeper affection for you. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.